0: You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. Why is important? Because the journey is difficult. And maybe it starts out easy, or maybe we're like, you know, burning hot because we're passionate about it. But at some point, there's going to be something that happens and you're like, oh my God, momentum killed, obstacle in the way, something will happen. Like, that's just the nature of things. And so the why is important because you need to be able to fall back on the reason why you started in the first place, when it was exciting, when it was easy, when it was effortless even. And it doesn't even have to be super profound because my why for a long time, when I was struggling in track and field was, I needed to make enough money to cover tuition so I can say peace to the sport. That was the why. So even when it was getting difficult, I I would be able to say to myself, I'm doing this, to make tuition money and then I would get back out there. So it doesn't even have to be this like noble, like I want world peace so I'm going to do this thing. It just needs to be something that you can anchor your will to when it gets hard because trust me, it will get hard.
1: That was Tiana Bartoletta. This is Marnie Salam. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative Hello, Marnie on the Move listeners, welcome and welcome back. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I sync up with Tiana Bartoletta, a two-time Olympian, three-time Olympic gold medalist, and a track and field athlete specializing in the long jump and the 100-meter sprint. Tiana is also a three-time international association of athletics federation's world champion and a four-time 100 meter relay world record holder in addition to her incredible athletic career tiana is also a certified yoga instructor and an avid writer her memoir survive in advance is out today june 8th 2021 you can buy the book on her website TianaB.com, and that's tiannabee.com and tiana just qualified for the 2021 US Olympic trials before we jump into our conversation shout out to our sponsors inside tracker and alkamine supplements inside tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood dna and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out, they are my go to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness, unlock the power of your potential. Use our code for 20% off. Thank you, MOTM. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. Also, shout out to Alchemine Supplements and Dr. Daryl Joffrey. I am loving the Alkaline Plant-Based Organic Protein Powder. It has three core alkaline proteins, sachainchi, pea, hemp, and coconut oil, which turns your body into a fat-burning machine. And of course, it's sugar-free. It's been a great addition into my training and fueling. I'm also using their acid-kicking mineral mix when I'm out on the bike for hydration, as well as the acid-kicking greens in all of my smoothies, and their omega-3 and black seed oil supplements for inflammation and general health. Check out their website, getoffyouracid.com, and use our code MOTM20 for 20% off. Now, back to our guest, Tiana Bartoletta. On this episode, Tiana and I sync up about when and where she discovered her love of yoga, how she looks to yoga philosophy and asana practice, and uses what she has learned here to be mentally and physically stronger, both on and off the track. We talk about what it means to find the why, both in life and sport. Tiana also tells me about using the lessons she's learned from overcoming life and career challenges to inspire and empower younger athletes. And we also sync up about our mutual love of Inside Tracker, the game changing personalized health and nutrition platform where we are both doing a deep dive into our blood biomarkers on a regular basis and following some really great personalized nutritional insight and advice. Tiana talks about her nutrition and the supplement routines that are keeping her training well and race-ready. I'm sure you're going to love this conversation. Leave us a five-star review on Apple if you do. It's easy. Head over to the app wherever you listen, click on the five stars, click on leave a review, and tell us what you love. Also, don't forget, share this episode with your friends on social. It's easy. Wherever you like to get social, take a screenshot, post it, tag us, we'll tag you back, and don't forget, sign up for our newsletter, The Download. Now, on to my conversation with Tiana. Thank you so much for being on the
0: podcast today, Tiana. I'm excited to be here, happy to have this conversation.
1: I love that you're an avid yoga practitioner and a teacher, and then you're also a decorated Olympian with three gold medals, a world record holder in track and field with the 100-meter relay, and you're a yogi. How did you get into yoga?
0: So my first yoga class was kind of like how everybody else got introduced to yoga: group class. 24-hour fitness went in there with a real competitive attitude seeing people you know float up effortlessly into handstands and headstands and I couldn't do any of those things and I remember just feeling like I'm an athlete I should be able to master this and so I kept coming back with the attitude that I needed to master the positions and the poses so there was no real spiritual focus no noble calling to my introduction to yoga but that's where it started
1: Over 10 years ago. I was just going to say, where were you in your track and field career that you were like, oh, let me take a yoga class? Like, how did you get to that point?
0: Well, it was just in the gym. So we were, the gym was by my house. I would come back from the track and then lift separately from the team. And so I was just getting the gym workout in and just, you see the group class schedule on the wall and you're like, oh, there's going to be a yoga class. We're already up here. I yeah. was take the yoga class. <laughs> it was very much casual like that. And so ha- when did you make
1: the transition into teaching? And how did you go about doing that?
0: So that's relatively recent. And so my athletic approach to yoga didn't last very long. I don't think it's a sustainable mindset to have for anything, really. So I left it for a while. When I returned to yoga, it was with the intention to like just be better mentally, to be more calm, to counter my training that I was doing. And then I did that for a few years consistently. And then I just got really hungry, really thirsty, you could say, for more. It was saving my life. It was changing my life. I was like, I need more information. I need to know why, how, who, where? What? Yeah. <laughs> you need to know all the details. And so that's what made me look into yoga teacher training in the first place. And now on my first day of yoga teacher training, I said, my name is Tiana. I have zero intention to teach. I'm here for my <laughs> own learning. Yes, that's it. <laughs> that's so and funny. the teacher was like, the teacher was like, yeah, we hear that a lot. <laughs> sure.
1: Because you know, what's so funny. I did my teacher training also so long ago, like at least 10, 15 years ago. And I taught a couple classes, but I had a marketing company a PR business. And I really didn't have time to teach. It wasn't really my focus. I went in and I did it for myself. I wanted to learn more than just asanas. And I wanted to help my practice. And I was an athlete obviously not professional but I definitely had that athletic mindset and I learned so much from the teacher training that was so beyond just teaching a class and also or my practice and then a year ago I and I never really taught like I never you know I I got a group of friends together to come take a class with me and they were like oh my god they were like we can't do a plank for that long Marnie like this is not (laughs) yoga. You know, and um, I was on a pod, I was interviewing this yoga instructor who I love, Bethany Lyons from Lion's Den Yoga. And I was like, you know, I never, I never really used it. And she's like, what are you talking about, Marnie? Like you use it every day in
0: your Mm -hmm. business,
1: in your training. It's amazing when you reflect oh wait maybe I am using this how do you use it like for your training
0: I'm so glad you said that about yourself because I was about to interrupt you and be like (laughs) uh no everything is yoga and I think if any if I learned anything from yoga teacher training it was that everything is yoga I mean you go through the eight limbs of yoga and you're just like this is a lifestyle like this isn't just about what we do once you walk into the studio and I think I didn't start teaching right away either. I got the certification and I came home and was just like, okay, back to the track. But it changed the way that I worked with other athletes, especially younger athletes that I volunteered with at the university where I was at. It changed my mental approach to my own training. It changed how I talk to people. It was just, it changed everything. People can practice with you, right? They can come to your website.
1: They can take classes. You're offering classes now as well. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah, so last year when COVID shut everything down, I was just, I was fielding a lot of emails and a lot of DMs about my followers who were struggling, not just fellow athletes, who, you know, we were dealing with our own, is the Olympics happening? Is it not? Yeah. Um, how do we train when yeah. all the tracks are closed? We had our own stuff, but like the people, I'm largely followed by people who aren't professional athletes. Right. And they were really struggling. And I was just, I was like, okay, I'm going to just teach. I'm going to teach for the first time, like via zoom. I'm just going to do it Yeah. and create this space for us to come together and kind of just it's like a staycation yoga is because you're just there's nothing to do but this nowhere to be but here just breathe and move and that's why I named it that so yeah my website and then I discovered other platforms through my own yoga teachers that I was practicing with when they pivoted their practices to zoom Mm -hmm. and I kind of just hopped right in I was scared I didn't really know how to you know, make music play on Zoom or any of the things But it was just like, hey, we're here together. Let's work it out. Let's figure it out. And I learned surprisingly, I loved
1: it. I actually love yoga on Zoom. I'm so grateful that my teacher who doesn't live in New York City and doesn't teach in New York City, I only would get to really practice with her in person in the summer when I would go to the beach. And she totally rallied. And she just started teaching on Zoom. And I was so grateful because my practice was like, Zero. I mean, I was really focused on training for triathlons and running and, you know, who has another hour and a half in a busy training schedule to fit in yoga. But like, it's so important. What are some of the the key things that you take from your practice that you bring with you to a race or your training, mental and
0: physical? Mostly it's the mentality. It's like you train the body you have on the day that you have it. And it's like that for yoga, right? You one day you can hold warrior three forever. And then the next day it's like, uh, nope, it's <laughs> you not can't happening. do it. Yeah. And and it's just, and that's just what it is. And before I was, you know, practicing the way that I practice. If I'm on a track and I have a horrible day on the track, I'm like, oh my God, it's over. I have to retire. It's I've lost all ability to do this well. But now that I know that the body just does what the body does and you just have to let it, I'm so much more like, Oh yeah, that was a horrible day of training. We'll be back tomorrow. My curiosity um, when it comes to training has been stoked by my yoga practice. And then um, I use yoga as a body scan every morning. So I have a breakfast club so people can join me in my body scan in the mornings. Basically I make sure you know, the hamstrings are okay, the hips are open, we check in with the calves, engage the core a little bit, and, you know, stretch the upper body, shoulders, Then we meditate for five minutes, and then we go try to slay the day, so I kind of do that same routine every morning, and then I do some yin in the evening, hold the hip openers for sure for oh much God. longer, yeah. especially oh. with all the jumping.
1: I'm really working on my back bend right now because I'm always forward. Like, I feel like I'm always like I'm Mm -hmm. on my bike, I'm running, I'm swimming. And I really want to open my chest and get some action in my back. I feel like I'm always muscling through that asana. It's the hardest one. I mean, there's so many that are so hard, but it's one of like the Mm -hmm. top challenging asanas for me. So my teacher's always like, don't try to muscle through. (laughs) I'm like,
0: I don't know any other way to do it. (laughs) You know, I hear you on that. That's the biggest critique that my coaches give me is that I'm trying to muscle through and I, I don't just let things flow. And it's so funny because when they get frustrated with me, they'll say, you're a yogi, you know this, (laughs) what are you doing? Totally. But it's always, it's always like the cobbler has no
1: shoes kind of thing or whatever that expression is. You know, yeah, you know all the things, but you're still human. You're still going to go there in your mind. It's a work in progress. So, I mean, you've been competing and winning and racing for over a decade. Do you have any go-to mantras that you use when you're racing and training?
0: I often say to myself, everything is as it should be, just kind of as a way to calm down at the starting line because I sometimes I don't understand and I can't explain it why I feel a sense of imposter syndrome at the starting line of races, but I do. I think because I... I didn't choose to sprint. I chose to jump and sprinting is something that I kind of fell into. So I often don't feel like I'm truly a sprinter. So which is stupid, because like, I've made the Olympic team in the sprints, I've made an Olympic final in the sprints. And yet I still stand there sometimes like, I don't know if I belong here. So I tell myself everything is as it should be. So that means I'm meant to be there on that line. I'm, the journey was meant to be what the journey was to that point. All the circumstances that have happened surrounding that are meant to be. Everything is as it should be. And then the other one, less uh, noble, is physics doesn't care. It's actually more explicit than that. But. And what I mean by that is we carry so much emotion, we put so much meaning into our performances when the truth is physics doesn't care about any of that yeah physics just needs you to execute the, the plan right like, like just don't get think out just care. do it yeah apply the force make the jump <laughs> you know like so I say that to myself because sometimes we you know we get on the line and we make it mean so much we put all this extra weight and and burden on ourselves. And at the end of the day, it's like force still equals mass times acceleration. There's no variable in there for your nerves, anxiety, disappointment, projections or predictions. Literally all you need to do is the physics of it. And that, that alleviates so much pressure for me to repeat that to myself, especially in the long jump, when you have to mentally stay in it for so much longer. It's not 10 seconds. Is 90 minutes.
1: Yeah. And I saw on Instagram that you were doing some long jumping this weekend, or I don't know when you recorded it, but, and you were working on your arms and bringing your arms into
0: it. That was really fun to watch. Is that something that you're always working on? For 23 years, I have been trying to do that arm sweep. And last week was the first time I've ever executed it period. And earlier today on the phone with my high performance coach, he asked me what the difference was. And I told him, you know what, the only difference between, you know, now and the 23 years of trying is my meditation practice more consistent. My thoughts are slower, even in the air, even though if you time, the time it takes for me to take off and land, it's 0.8 seconds. I can think about all of those different parts now separately and in slow motion. And that's why I can finally think, okay, now it's time to move your arms. Whereas before I could not
1: do it. I can't even imagine what it feels like. And then to also have to think in that time,
0: because when you're exercising,
1: you're just moving, then you also have to use your brain, all of your energy is going towards your physical body. So that's like super challenging.
0: Yeah. And sometimes I completely miss and I like take off and I Blackout, and I don't do anything right and I'm just like yeah I don't know what happened <laughs> and then other times it's like you're in the matrix things are moving so slow and you can feel and see everything so it's it's wild
1: <laughs> that's cool I'm sure you watch a lot of your videos and you're like oh my god what was I thinking in this moment in addition to yoga and my passion for movement we also share in common our love of inside tracker and I was just wondering how has Inside Tracker been valuable to you being able to look at, you know, all of your different biomarkers quarterly and get these nutritional recommendations.
0: Yeah, so when you've been I've been a pro athlete for 16 years and yeah. one thing that I've learned is that the stuff you could do last year, you're not going to be able to do this year. You have to continue to level up and find your edge year after year after years and then and then add the additional variable of just aging and needing to be smarter about your training inside tracker makes perfect sense because i don't need to guess at what my body is doing and how it's changing and what it needs and that's what I love the pursuit of mastery. I'm a nerd. I love the details. I love to measure things. Like if it can be measured, I'm measuring it. I love that. So you're with the Excel spreadsheet and you're looking at
1: all your numbers and data and info. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like tracking things. I know what I ran in the 30 meters in January. I know what I ran last week and I can plot the graph. You know, I love these sorts of things. But inside tracker for me, especially with my own personal health issues and recent health scares have really focused me. It's like I need to get healthy first. That and that was my mission, health. It wasn't defend the long jump title because I wasn't even healthy enough to even make that a realistic goal. And so Inside Tracker honestly shed a light on where I needed to pay attention and has saved me time and money because otherwise I'd just be guessing, you know, doing what we tend to do. Uh, especially when we're younger, we go to vitamin shop or GNC and we kind of stare at the walls and we're like, I am feeling a little bit tired. Then you ask the customer service rep, like, what do you have for energy? And then they point you to this random shelf and you're just guessing at what you need instead of knowing. And inside tracker helps me to know. And I try to know everything else. We're in a game where you need to control the controllables. And so that's why uh, inside Tracker is just a game changer for me, no brainer.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, when I started doing it, I had no idea that my vitamin D was so low. I mean, I'm my entire life is outside. I am, yeah. Oh, but I live in New York City, and there's even though I'm outside and there's sun, it's not really enough sun, and then. The other thing was my iron was a little low, my cortisol was high. It was eye-opening. So I don't know if you're looking at this you're looking at the same biomarkers as me and also being a woman those things are so important.
0: Yeah, it was really important for me to know what my iron levels were because I was severely anemic. And my anemia was caused by different issue like a hemorrhaging tumor that I had. But being able to track the iron increasing, honestly, just even mentally feels good because I know that I'm doing these things, but seeing it go up just helps my spirit soar as well. And yeah, I was shocked about the vitamin D deficiency because I'm like, I'm outside for hours (laughs) on the track. So that that was interesting. Magnesium for me was one which made sense because I was starting to struggle with resting at the end of the night. And yeah unwinding the central nervous system, but then getting the recommendation from inside tracker to, to consume ashwagandha by the buckets. I (laughs) take
1: ashwagandha. I've been taking that forever, but you take it like in cycles. It's sort of, you know, training periodization, like
0: ashwagandha is
1: really game changing. Yeah,
0: it really is. It really is.
1: Do you take any supplements or use any like fueling products or for nutrition and training?
0: So I only take the supplements that I'm deficient in, which is why Smart. I like to get those tested. I believe in getting your nutrition from food. And so if I can eat it, then I don't need to supplement it. I'm iron resistant. So there's no amount of food that's going to help me increase yeah. my iron level. So I have to take an iron supplement. And I do take a ZMA at night to just help me. And we talked about ashwagandha, which is in my sleep supplement called Refresh. But yeah, I really try, I really try, especially with the way that the US Anti Doping Agency and the World Anti Doping Agency monitor what we consume and their zero tolerance policy, even if it's accidental ingestion. I'm just like, you know what? If I can eat my way, to health, I would rather do that than to gamble with a supplementation. Every now and then I have a pre-workout drink, basically L-carnitine and amino acid. You're (laughs) like
1: doing serious Olympic lifting. I see you on Instagram and I'm like, I want to do what you're doing, but I feel like it would be unsafe for me to do a lot of that stuff by myself. So I would definitely need to have a trainer in the gym like with me.
0: Yeah, it's easier for me because it's in my garage so it's like a 50 foot commute <laughs> versus like me needing to go back up to the school
1: Yeah, but you also you love mm-hmm. it. I mean, you get so into it. Like, I love your dance videos that you post while you're training.
0: <laughs> it's my favorite part of my training actually. Yeah. It's a it's a thing that, you know, well beyond retirement I probably will still do. I just it elevates my mood as you can see from the dance videos. Sometimes though the dance videos help me get motivated for the lift. So sometimes it's reverse. I dance because I'm not ready to lift or I dance because I'm happy about lifting. (laughs) I think like a a good song
1: and some just free movement always kind of gets me in the mood for whatever. Even if (laughs) I'll do that before I go for a long run. If I'm not in the mood, I just crank up some like great music and then I get like excited for my run and I'm out the door.
0: Well, I'm not winning any awards for my moves either, but you're right. It's just like, just moving the energy. That's really yeah. what it's about. And also there's nothing like a little reckless abandoned. It's yeah. like, we're so controlled every other time. And it's just nice to just be like, you know what, I'm just gonna move. I'm just gonna feel it.
1: Yeah, feel the vibe, feel the music. And mm-hmm. speaking of being creative, you're also like a super creative writer. And you have all these great ebooks on your website, which I've been I really, really enjoyed them. I read so you're not a track star, which <laughs> I love and you touch upon a lot of the stuff that we've kind of already talked about like nutrition and training. But I also yeah. thought one of the things that you talk about that I really like is finding your why. And maybe you can talk to me a little bit about that and then maybe you know tell me how people can, read and get the so you're not a track star ebook as well
0: why is important because the journey is difficult and maybe it starts out easy or maybe we're like you know burning hot because we're passionate about it but at some point there's going to be something that happens and you're like oh my god momentum killed obstacle in the way something will happen like that that's just the nature of things and so the why is important because you need to be able to fall back on the reason why you started in the first place, when it was exciting, when it was easy, when it was effortless even. And it doesn't even have to be super profound because my why for a long time when I was struggling in track and field was I needed to make enough money to cover tuition so I can say peace to the sport. That was the why. So even when it was getting difficult, I, I would be able to say to myself, I'm doing this to make tuition money. And then I would get back out there. So it doesn't even have to be this like noble, like I want world peace. So I'm going to do this. thing. It just needs to be something that you can anchor your will to when it gets hard, because trust me, it will get hard.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I think that even just we're talking about athleticism, but it's like also for entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So many times you have to check yourself and be like, wait, why am I doing this? Or go back to why you started, whatever it is you're doing. For you, how did you kind of get through some of those challenges with COVID and the pandemic?
0: Yeah, you gotta, so in addition to having a why, you need to be able to scrap it and change it as like life calls for it too. And I think the reason I was able to navigate the pandemic so well I didn't brag about it, but I totally felt like I thrived because I'm an introvert anyway. Okay. And so I was like living my best life on <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> and in the I house- love introverts. It's so funny. <laughs> Not going anywhere. I was having, I was okay. But in terms of track and field, you have to just pivot, you know, yeah. and be able to do that for yourself. So uh, being able to have a why and articulate that why And then be willing to change it when every circumstance says you need to. Because also holding on to an outdated why will cause you a lot of suffering as well. And so that I think I was willing to do and willing to always look at, okay, what now? What now? Doing the next right thing, which yoga teaches you, like do the next right action. And that includes being able to take a hard look at yourself and saying, I need to change why I'm doing this. For example, so many athletes had 2020 Olympics as their goal and didn't change that why. And so when the Olympics was no longer in 2020, they were lost. Yeah. Instead of adapting yeah. a new why, they suffered because they, they were aimless, basically. And you don't need to do that to yourself. That type of suffering is optional. So that's why we need to just focus on having a vision for what we're doing in the moment, do everything we can to make that happen, but also be open and willing to adjust and adapt as life calls us to.
1: That's so great. And you talk a lot about that in You're Not a Track Star, not so much about COVID, but about your why, right. about nutrition. And people can download it on your website, correct?
0: So it's available on both. Yeah. So just uh, you download it for free, instant download, TianaB.com.
1: Okay, cool. And you also have a great guide on your website called homework, which can tell me a little bit about that, because it's pretty cool.
0: So I made homework for myself as a response to how Berkeley had locking its track during shelter in place. I did not know how it was going to train because at the time when Berkeley went went into lockdown, the IOC insisted that the Olympics would happen um, as planned. And so we were kind of like, we have no gym, no track. Like, how do we continue to train for the Olympics in August of 2020 with no way to train? And so I wrote this plan uh, for myself. And then when it was complete, I was like, I need to share this. There's this could help anyone who's kind of feeling, especially collegiate athletes, yeah. uh, who are feeling like you know struggling with lost seasons and goals. Uh, just to keep us all focused on something uh, productive. Control, we can control, right? That's where homework came from.
1: And people can download it on your website too.
0: Yes, that one is on tbchatstar.com. Okay got it so there's two different websites which is confusing because tv track star is for uh was catered to young athletes so that they would have more resources after they read why they weren't track stars right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and tiana b.com is more like that's me, Tiana, the woman, the athlete. All It's almost like my corporate headquarters website. I love it. I love it.
1: They're both awesome. And I do see that Thank they're you. very complimentary. Speaking of writing, I mean, you have a memoir coming out on June 8th. It's called? Survive in
0: Advance.
1: Tell me about your new memoir.
0: I've always been a writer. So I've, I've been a writer longer than I've been an athlete. So writing a book was always on my list of things to do. Writing my story was one of those things I went back and forth about. Um, Survive in Advance, I like to say, is a memoir about a life spent running. Um, A lot of people know me now as this version that they see dancing on Instagram and lifting weights and doing all this cool stuff. But how I got here is a journey I don't think many people would have guessed. And so it's just a It's just the story of, you know, how I chose track and field in the first place, um, coming up through college, uh, being turning pro, all the stories behind all the the nine medals that I've won and the things that I had to survive in order to advance forward in my life. And just, I call it dope human being training. I mean, there's like some very like sensitive, heavy topics and themes addressed in the book because that's just the way my life worked out. But spoiler alert, I survived and I'm this person. And so I wouldn't take any of it back because I love who I am now and what I get to do and the people I get to chop it up with and meet because I went through all of that. So my goal, my hope is that people read this book and one, you know, capture me in my full context because sometimes athletes are presented very one dimensionally and I do not like that at all. And then to also kind of look at their lives and think, you know what, I've been 100% successful at surviving all the stuff that has come my way. Like, now it's time to thrive. Let's go forward.
1: Sounds like a super inspiring book and story. I noticed on Instagram the other day, you posted about how you were kidnapped in Tangier. And I'm sure this is in your book, which, by the way, that is one of my biggest, biggest fears when I'm out on my bike and running. So is this something you can talk about?
0: Yeah, I can. I will say that I was never terrified uh, when I was kidnapped, um, because the circumstances of it were my manager who was in the States knew who the men were. So it was not that they were complete strangers. I didn't know them. We didn't speak the same language. But there was a loose connection between us. Basically what happened was my manager set me up with accommodations because I arrived to Morocco really early before the meet. Meet directors only like to pay for a certain number of days and right. you're, on, you're on the hook for the rest. So he put me up at um, a national training center that was for men only. The men's basketball, the Moroccan national basketball team was staying there and everybody was looking at each other with the side eye like, what are you doing here? And language barriers. I get to my room and I have no toilet paper, no towels, like nothing to sustain a stay for the amount of days that I was there. And so I called my manager and he said, I'll have someone come pick you up and take you to the store. And so these guys pulled up a couple hours later to take me to the store and they just did not return me for three days. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's nuts. <laughs> oh, my God. I did eventually get the towel and the toilet paper that I left That's for, great. <laughs> At least
1: you have a sense of humor about it now. I mean, I saw the post, so I was like, oh, my God. I did not see that. I didn't know that. But then, uh, yeah. I was like, was it like national news and like global news? And I didn't see nah, it. Again. no. Okay, oh. so you're okay. That's good. But it is like my biggest yeah. fear. Like whenever I'm out running, I'm like texting everyone. To I don't really go anywhere. I live in New York City, so it's not like I'm going off on like independent, individual, weird trails. But I do go out on my bike.
0: Mm. I say yeah. I would. I would say that I'm. I'm. I'm more aware of those sorts of things yeah. here at home yeah. than I am when I'm overseas. Yeah. I like. I'm more scared at home than overseas. Oh, you are. For some, yeah. yeah. I understand. Yeah. Well,
1: wait. You're in California, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Bay Area. You're also a mentor and an ambassador for Spire Institute and Academy. So tell me a little bit about that and how you've been interacting and engaging and inspiring athletes on this platform.
0: So Spire is basically a world-class training facility and an elite boarding school for student-athletes. But it's only one hour from where I grew up in Ohio. And so it only made, made perfect sense to become a champion for uh, a organization such as Spire that's really trying to open additional doors to athletes. Um, I didn't have any of that when I was coming up, and and although it turned out okay, yeah. I think it w- it's pretty incredible uh, for any athlete that kind of wants to model a path like mine to start, you know, at a higher level by by going to a place like Spire, and so. Um, we already have student athletes that live there, that board there, and I visit on occasion and talk to them. We do Zoom virtual calls, and we have plans for in-person clinics and all sorts of things because Spire can do anything. There's, just, there's nothing there that we can't pull off. Are you going to – I mean, now that
1: people are going more out and about and doing things socially – Are you planning to do any kind of talks or a book tour or anything like that?
0: Absolutely. And we're going to do a mix of in-person and virtual. One, because virtual, we now know we can do a lot of stuff virtually and it still be engaging. But I have a book signing actually in Portland, Oregon on June 20th, which I'm really excited about. So yeah, we're still, me and my team, we're still kind of hashing out where to go and who to see and who to host these conversations with. So stay tuned to Instagram because I promise to share that information as I get it. Who is your sponsor right now for Shoes and Apparel? I'm unsponsored. And I think in November, I was allowed to reach out to other companies to let them know that my Nike contract was expiring and no takers. (laughs) And, And so my Nike contract expired December 31st and I have been unsponsored. By a shoe and apparel company ever since then. I do have other amazing partners, but as far as shoe and apparel go, none.
1: Cool, and last and most importantly, which I know is in your book, so don't give it all away. What was your why when you started and got into track and field, and how did that journey begin for you? Why the long jump?
0: I chose track and field because my mom vetoed me joining the wrestling team. Full stop. (laughs) That is awesome. So that was 1997. That's amazing. I fully expected to be on the wrestling team. My father was a wrestler. My uncle was a wrestler. They were storied legends in Illyria as wrestlers. For whatever reason, I thought I was just going to step into that role myself. And my mom said, no. (laughs) And so I ended up at track practice rather than the wrestling team interest meeting. The coach there um, had us all stand on the line and divide us into two groups. She said, track athletes over here, field athletes over here. I raised my hand for additional clarification. I said, does track mean running? She said, Yes, and I said I'm going to the field because I do not actually like or enjoy running. That's so funny. <laughs> so I went over there, and she explained um, all of the field events, and I basically chose the one that looked the most fun—jumping in the sand. So yeah, it wasn't a calling. There was no scout that was like, "She's going to be a great long jumper." That's like, amazing. That's, what, that's the story.
1: And how did you get into <laughs> writing? Like, where did that come from? You said you've been a writer longer than you were an athlete.
0: Yeah, that came from being extremely uncomfortable with confrontation. So, what I would do is I would just write letters. Like, if my mom or dad pissed me off, I wrote a letter. <laughs> if my sister did something wrong, I wrote a letter. I'd fold it up, I'd slide it under the door, I'd go hide in my room and wait until they read it. And then they'd have to start the conversation. But I couldn't do it. Like, I was oh, I you still gave it to am them. Largely, Okay. Yeah, I'm still largely uncomfortable with like, initiating difficult discussions that way so I would just write about it and I think you can kind of see that in my blog too it's like I will go in on a difficult subject in writing yeah Uh, it's way more difficult for me to have that one-on-one conversation and so that started when I was in elementary school I would just write the letters and that's how I would communicate and it just got better over time
1: it's so interesting you know so many people that I connect with the most are so introverted and are writers or creative types or super quiet, but like, they're not, but like, yeah, I'm the most extroverted person. And I like to tell people like I'm shy and they're like, wait, where, how, like, I don't see it. I'm like, no, I really am. That's so funny. And so what are your thoughts on the 2021 Olympics?
0: They're going to be unlike any other Olympic games. (laughs) And that's pretty much all i really allowed myself to think because the olympic trials is very difficult to navigate and to get through and so i think it's a better plan to focus on the olympic trials first and making the team and then once you make the team then you can start to think about the olympic games but before that would just be putting the cart before the horse thank
1: you so much for being here this has been so wonderful thank you for having me marnie i really enjoyed the conversation Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download,